Welcome to a brand new show of Section 114 Sports or 114 Sports. My name is Harry. Uh, this is powered or presented by a San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. Uh, with this show here, it's geared more for uh, non-San Antonio FC, non-San Antonio soccer like high schools. Uh, like today, we're going to be talking about um, talking about uh, RGV. Uh, the rise and unfortunately the fall or what I said, the good, the bad and the ugly, because I think with RGV there, there's a lot of good. There was some bad and in, in my opinion, and I'm sure Edson will be able to kind of agree or disagree. Uh, there was an ugly part uh, that uh, how it ended uh, you know, for RGV without getting too much into the weeds. Uh, but Edson uh, formally, I guess, formally of down in the Valley or. You know, I know you're not covering the team, but any chance of resurrection of down in the valley or? Unfortunately, no. Um, it was a hard decision that I had to make, uh, but I felt like it was the correct decision. I mean, down in the valley had started from the beginning uh, related to RGVFC ever since it was a 15 minute segment for the Peel. And honestly, like, I felt like my time was up when it came to like, soccer podcasting uh i you know i started getting into sim racing you know just uh, as a hobby just for fun uh like i had told the, the guys my audience at down in the valley um this past season had gotten to the point where i wasn't enjoying you know doing the podcast because of you know, the added stress uh of uh you know information that ha was off the record that I couldn't say, you know, pretty much stuff that was kind of going on through in, in, in the background that I, even right now, I'm still not at a liberty to kind of explain fully what was, what's going on. And, you know, knowing all of this stuff, you know, it, it, it stresses you out, right? Because, you know, the editors, like you want to tell like the fans, you know, exactly what's going on. But you do have that that duty that if somebody tells you, hey, you can't, I don't want this to go out in public, you know, you have to, you have the journalistic integrity, you have to have it to, you know, respect their wishes and, um, and keep it to and keep it to yourself. Um, so, so no, unfortunately, I mean, I, uh, I try to help as much as I can in other in other things. I know I had a uh, pitch to the USL show to kind of help them do a little bit of like uh, shorts for for YouTube and all of that. Um, but I think the uh, quote unquote full time podcaster, I think I think that's it for me. But I don't know if it's going to happen in, in the future. A lot of people had asked me, like, am I going to do Dynamo stuff uh, again? Um, I want to I want to see how it goes. But for now, I think down in the valley as an entity is is kind of dead and buried. And uh, so, and, and I know you talk about you know the, the sim racing. Uh, Edson and Jacob both have moved uh, on to i racing. Uh, I know you guys do the was it the Vigilante uh, Racing League uh, for her, which is typically Wednesdays, if my memory serves me correct, on YouTube. Uh, yes. And I'll actually, I have it saved in my YouTube favorites is uh, follow it. Um, I'll put that in the, in the show notes here. Uh, but if you do have Wednesday night, you don't really have anything going on. Um, and there is a race. Uh, I think they're pretty consistent. I know 
this week they mentioned that this is the final race of the off season, I guess you could kind of say. And then next week, of course, because NASCAR comes back full time with the Daytona 500 on the 18th, um, you guys will be starting. And in, in you know, if I understand everything correctly, you guys are going to kind of mirror uh, the uh, NASCAR season. Uh, so that should be kind of cool to see you and Jacob and uh, um, Edson with his uh, painted cars is a favorite, I guess you could kind of say, uh, you know, for that here, um, the HEB, the Whataburger cars. Um, yeah. So, so currently I drive the Mente Futbolera, uh, uh, number eight, uh, car. Uh, I, I, yeah. The Ocho machine as I was, <laughs> as I, I have been baptized, uh, by the guys at AAA broadcasting. Um, it, I'm and Jacob, he ran the 17 in this season seven, uh, he, uh per, he has confirmed he will be changing to the 77, his favorite number, uh, going into, into season eight. So if you guys uh, do go in and watch the broadcast, uh, be sure to put in the chat and cheer on the, the eight and the 77 uh, trucks. So it's about the only thing I support from uh, the RGV Valley. <laughs> there it is, everybody. <laughs> hey, there's going to be a few digs, not a lot, uh, but uh, through here. So... Uh, to kind of get started, um, it starts, what, 2015, uh, I believe is when uh, first announced March of 2015, uh, Houston uh, Dynamo partnering with the D-League franchise to form a USL team for 2016. Uh, I love this comment here. Uh, Houston President Chris Canady uh, was an onlooker. Uh, as members of the club's academy and first team reserve uh, got on the field for a much needed time in scrimmage with NASL club, San Antonio Scorpions. So uh, flashback to both San Antonio and RGV and Houston uh, relationship uh, for that here. So um, what was unique about this is Houston and RGV was the first to do what's called uh, what was called a hybrid where RGV controlled um the marketing aspect, they were the actually a owner of it, but the Dynamo controlled the roster decisions. Correct. Um, and it, at the time, to be honest with you, I thought it was a brilliant way to expand the footprint of US, USL. Um, I won't lie to you where you could have it kind of as an independent team, um, but still have you know, still have guidance under an MLS team uh, for that here to bring in players. Little did I know that, you know, RGV would not be able to play in the Open yeah. Cup, mm -hmm. which I think, was, if memory serves me correct, was direct directly related to Houston Dynamo not wanting its players to play uh, in in the Open Cup under the badge of RGV. Um, and still wanted to be able to call them up to the Dynamo if my memory serves me correct. Um, so that was kind of a change and kind of a shock. I think for kind of the first blow uh, to RGV fans was, hey, you know, yes, you have a team, but you're not going to be able to participate in the Open Cup. Um, but just kind of talking that that first year that the relationship between Houston and RGV and the excitement that generated, because I believe at the time you were up in Houston um, at that time. Uh, no, no. Uh, oh, you were still. still I was still, still, I was still in my final two years uh, in college. 
uh, at UTRGV. And so when that team, when the team was announced, uh, I was very, I wasn't very nervous because we had gotten in the Rio Grande Valley, we had gotten, you know, other attempts of, uh, see, it wasn't even professional soccer because it was back in the USL uh, Development League, the PDL. And you had the RGV Bravos, which lasted, I want to say, two years. Uh, the RGV Grandes, with only, which only lasted a season. And they were both in the, in the PDL, um, two different ownership groups that really didn't, uh, really didn't pan out. Um, I believe with the Grandes, it was more of trying to give college uh, players an opportunity, you know, to, to play. Um, the Bravos was a little bit more of a serious, uh, a, a serious project in, in the first year. And then all of a sudden, um, because they, they first played in Hidalgo, Texas, in the uh, Hidalgo High, no, uh, Valley View, the Valley View High School uh, Stadium. That's that's where they played in the first year. They had a really, really good uh, attendance for PDL standards. I was actually a, uh, I became a member of their supporter group, La Raza Brava. Uh, met some really good friends there, who which I'm still friends with uh, till, till this day. A uh, huge shout out to Jesus Cantupasi. He was actually the uh, president of the of the of the supporters groups on the Raza Brava. But um, then all of a sudden they announced, "Oh yeah, we're moving the team to Brownsville," <laughs> and from and like. There were a lot of rumors, which I'm really not going to address because, like I said, it's just it's just like hearsay, like he, uh, and uh, speculation about why exactly they moved, like immediate, like all of a sudden from Hidalgo to Brownsville. But um, from getting it, uh, like a couple thousand of people in attendance and on average, they I think they only mustered maybe at most two hundred in Brownsville, mm. and then they folded. And the Grandes, they played in Edinburgh, but this time they played at the Edinburgh Roadrunners uh, Stadium, which is a baseball stadium. Uh, like I said, it only lasted a year. So when the Toros were announced, I was a little bit skeptical about how long this, this team was going to last, considering the last two uh, teams that had come in and not really lasted very, very long. Uh, the difference was, and that kind of got me a little bit more um, calm about it, was that there was going to be an affiliation with the Houston Dynamo, which was my favorite, and it still is my favorite MLS team, right? Um, also, the fact that they were going to try to continue the, uh, I want to say tried and true um, way of running the team. They try to, they're going to try to emulate what they're doing, what Alonso Cantu had been doing and continues to do, with the RGV Vipers and uh, the Houston Rockets, which was this hybrid, uh, with this hybrid affiliation, where Alonso Cantu owns the Vipers, runs the business operations of it, but the Houston Rockets are the one that handle the, all the technical aspects of the team. So they were going to try to emulate that with uh, the Houston Dynamo and RGVFC, right? And so. That that was so leading up to the to that to the first season, it was there was a lot of hype to it because you know we were finally gonna have not a development team, the in theory was going to be a professional level team. At that time, USL was D3, but it's still professional uh in cer a certain aspects. 
Uh, there And so um, there were plans. There was an ambitious project. You know, there were plans about, you know, the stadium being built uh, at the former Super Splash um, um, place or, you know, location. The, the location. Um, there, when I was talking to some front office members, you know, because I wanted to become a season ticket member and then, uh, but I kind of asked, you know, about tickets and all that. You know, they had the ambition of moving up to MLS in five years. Uh, there, the whole, from what I had told, was told is that HEB Park, the way it was built, it was it was built with with uh, room for expansion, uh, if needed, to one day go to go to MLS, right? So there was an ambitious project. Obviously, the Alonso Cantu. You know, you have you know the richest man in the uh, in the Rio Grande Valley backing backing up you know this team. So there was a lot of, of good um, good um, intentions on it, and the fans were kind of the ones that didn't know about it. You know, kind of did were they had good ambitions uh, of it. You know, the team gets announced. Wilmer Cabrera gets gets announced uh, as the head coach. And one of the things they always drill down on us is that with this hybrid affiliation, they were still going to, you know, their Ambition was for RGV to be able to compete and win for championships. And in that first season in 2016, this this team was built with basically, you know, the you know, the the three different levels. You know, you have your uh your young academy players, you have uh you have your your veteran, your USL veterans, and you got and you got obviously your your talented uh players. From uh, the Houston Dynamo, whether you know some French star starters from the first team, the Dynamo first team, or anything like that. So you had a good combination of uh, that really brought in uh, arguably the best season in the history of Rio Grande Valley under under Wilmer Cabrera. I mean, this this team had broken you know records for uh, least amount of goals being scored on in the regular season. They ended up second place in, in the Western Conference. Uh, in, in that in that season, um, evidently, uh, you know, eventually they lost uh, in the playoffs to OKC Energy. I was there at that game, um, and this was fashion. it was it was heartbreaking. But leading up to that game, it it started to show the signs that the Houston Dynamos' interest were not at all with RJV, and the reason I say that was that leading up to that game, they called up uh, Cali. I want to say it was Cali Brown, who was the goalkeeper, the starting goalkeeper mm -hmm. throughout the season for RGVFC. They called him up to the first team just to train, you know, try to train with the first team. Uh, when the game was, uh, when, they, when the game happened, uh, the game, come game day, he wasn't started. He wasn't started. And the, the justification was that because Callie Brown did not practice with the DeToros during the week, they decided to go with the second string goalkeeper for that night. And unfortunately when you've built up chemistry with your within your defenders and a certain goalkeeper you change the goalkeeper 
to some of the with completely different uh, characteristics, it's going to affect you. And in the end, in the last couple of minutes, you know, OKC Energy, you know, went, I believe they were like 2-1 down. And they ended up winning three to two in the last couple of minutes. It was just, it was just heartbreaking. But it, you kind of started getting those that i that idea that, yeah, it's like at the end of the day, the Houston Dynamo. What they're going to care off first and foremost is going to be the Houston Dynamo. Everything RGV related is going to be second. Yeah. So just kind of a quick recap on that. Uh, uh, Ruben Luna opened the goal scoring in the thirty third minute. Uh, Kalen Ryden, uh, who now plays for New Mexico United, equalized in the 72nd uh, minute. Uh, San Antonio non-favorite Eric Bird uh, scored in the 76th minute. And then Colin Bonner uh, scores two goals, 90 plus two and 90 plus three for the energy to come back and win it. And it was a crazy, you know, it was a crazy ending and, you know, as a San Antonio FC fan, you know, we laughed a little bit because let's be honest, RGV owned us that year mm-hmm. uh, for that year. But, you know, it's to me, to me, you know, kind of moving from the first year to the second year. And I think that's when you really saw even more of the transition away from what, in my opinion, what was promised uh, for, you know, that Houston Dynamo was going to, was going to do for, uh, RGV, and that was some of the key players weren't weren't brought back. Some were promoted up, and then you know uh, moved on to other teams. Others just weren't re-signed. And to me, that became the circle of life for you know for RGV under Houston is they would develop you know players, and they wouldn't be re- restocked. It wouldn't be reloaded of the same quality. And, and I think to me, that's where the relationship between RGV and, you know, and Houston Dynamo went south is you've got RGV ownership saying, Hey, come out, come support us where we are a, a professional team. You know, the product's going to be good, but you had the inconsistencies with the rosters, the inconsistencies, um, just with the communication, you know, for, you know, if my memory is right from you, from, you know, the Dynamo to RGV on player player status. And I think to me it impacted how RGV could have, could have built on that first year. Because, you know, the first year they played at the um, – they started at the track and field stadium of UTRGV – Correct. And then they went to the practice facility, which is you know where HEB Park was being built at. It wasn't fully available until the start of uh, 2017 mm-hmm. uh, for that year. So, but you had a lot of momentum. Like I, I remember we went to the last game, uh, me and AJ, uh, you know, last game where if San Antonio would have won, um, we would have made the playoffs. RGV knocked us out, and it was a fun environment. You had the stampede, you know, stamp, uh, stampede. On the south, you know, south end of the field, you had the one side of the stands. Um, it was a lot of banter going around, a lot of fun stuff. And you know, to me, if it, at the end of that night, you're like, dude, RGV's got something special. And uh, well, you know, I'll let you kind of explain 
the next what five years I think it was that you guys were under yes. the relationship with the, the dynamo can kind of talk about you know the the promise and then how that transitioned to what December of 2021 20, 20, or 2020 yeah 2020 yeah. uh you know yeah February 2020 um you know where where you guys got your independence and then there is one thing that we'll have to ask on was going independent really the right thing for RGV ownership? Because I think for the fans it was, but for the RGV ownership, was it the right thing? But kind of talk about the, the the history under the Dynamo a little bit more. Yeah. So after the twenty twenty uh, the twenty twenty after the twenty sixteen season, which was arguably it was very successful. You know, first year team going into the playoffs. You know, and. You would think that logically you were going to maintain a foundation off of that winning team and build up, build it up with, you know, some key pieces that can get you farther into the playoffs. And that is not what happened. So what happened was, is that I want to say, was it, it wasn't Owen Coyle. I'm trying to remember who the Dynamo head coach was at that time. So he gets sacked. And so logically Wilmer Cabrera, because he had done such a good job in the USL uh, with the Toros, he gets promoted to be the Houston Dynamo first team uh, starting the 2017 season. And then they ended up uh, bringing uh, Junior Gonzalez uh, as the head coach for RGVFC. So you start off with with a coaching change. uh, And I believe Junior Gonzalez... Yeah, it was Owen Coyle, Wade Barrett was the interim, and then Wilmer came in October of, t- of 2016. Yes, correct. Yeah, so that was so that was after that was after the the Toro season ended. So, and then you bring in Junior Gonzalez, who I believe was coming in from either Sounders two or LA Galaxy two. So he was a developmental coach, not a competitive coach, right? So. They promote Charlie Ward, Eric Bird, George Malky, um, and other like multiple players from the Houston from to the, the Houston core. Dynamo first the team. Core. Yeah, the core, the core of this team. Uh, I believe Ruben Luna. I think he lasted one year before he retired and and went into uh, uh, becoming a realtor. Um, Zen and Kadic, who was also a good co- uh, a good uh, uh, striker for us in 2016, I believe, also retired. Uh, but so yeah, most of the core got moved up into the Dynamo first team, and so you got you were replacing these players with players that were coming out of college and didn't necessarily, you know, go into the MLS draft. So um, so when now instead of having that balance of veterans, uh, talented players, and young players. Now you were filling up this team with mostly young, mostly young players that where you didn't really have, you know, an idea of how good they could, they, they could be. This is where you started seeing players like Connor Donovan, Kyle Adams. Um, you know, you, you had, uh, no, Emilio, uh, Emilio came in 2016, but you started seeing all these, all the, all these younger players, Kyle Murphy, Kyle Murphy as well. Uh, you know, these were players that like, Okay, are they gonna pan out? You know, and uh, and things like that. So there was a lot more questions than answers. And in the end, in 2017, you know, obviously the performance, you know, decreased dramatically. They didn't make it. They didn't qualify into the playoffs. And the thing that irked me 
was that every week the, the press would always ask, you know, Junior Gonzalez about the team. And he's like, oh, we're on the right track. You know, we're doing well. We're doing we're, when the team was losing. Right. So one of the anecdotes that I have from because in 2017, that's when I moved to Houston. I became, you know, I, I joined with the guys, the Justin and Josh with, with the Peel kind of took mm -hmm. over down in the valley. Um, at first, RGV didn't really grant me. Uh, they, they didn't grant me uh, media credentials. Um, but uh, thankfully, uh, Sean uh, Ringros helped me with that. You know, he he called his contacts with the Houston Dynamo and was able to to get RGB to get to uh, get me a credential. But I remember after that 2017 season, um, when the when the 2018 preseason was starting, so almost every year the Houston Dynamo would travel to um, RGB. to RGB and and hold their preseason there for, for a week, I believe. And then they would actually play the Toros, the Toros uh, at the end, I think on the last day of their, of their preseason in, in the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, so obviously after the game, after the, that scrimmage against the, the Toros, um, the, the press were, were asking questions to Wilmer Cabrera, right? And he's all like, oh, happy. Oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm really happy, you know, with the Houston Dynamo. We've got, all, you know, there's a lot of good things. I'm really looking forward, to, you know, to building up from 2017. Because if you remember in 2017, the 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 Dynamo made it uh, into the uh, Western Conference final, you know. Um, and so then, so it was my turn to ask a question. I asked a question, you know, Wilmer, um, in regards, you know, to the to the failure from, uh, of RGV, you know, to make it to, to the playoffs, you know, since you are the, the Houston dynamo, you know, first team coach who, which handles, you know, the technical aspects of, of uh, RGV FC, what kind of changes are you going to establish to make sure that the totals get back into, in, into the correct path? His change literally after I asked the question, changed from happiness to anger. He was like, and he just looks at me and he says, what kind of failure? We just signed five players from the, from the, from the Toros to the Dynamo first team. That's not a failure in my eyes. I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, but that, but it goes to show, you know, that their point of view uh, or, or, or their vision was nothing was not, what they would tell the fans of, oh, we're going to make this a competitive team. No, this team was built just to, you know, feed players into the Dynamo system. And I know, uh, uh, man, I forgot his name. That's how much I hate him. Uh, Matt Jordan. Thank, uh, Matt Jordan. <laughs> Matt Jordan, multiple times, he would always go on with, uh, with Glenn Davis uh, in Soccer Matters. Great show, by the way. Yes, by the way, highly recommended. So there were multiple times where Glenn Davis would ask, you know, Matt Jordan about what what was going on with RGV, like what is the idea of it? Like, how is it working? And so basically, I remember one time Matt Jordan was talking about the three buckets or something like that. But Basically, the idea was is that players that were signed to play at RGV had a had a limit of two years mm -hmm. to prove that they were good enough to be signed for the Dynamo first team. Mm -hmm. 
And if they did not live up to that expectation, even if they were good at the USL level, they would they, they would not get re-signed and they would walk away for free. So we lost players like Connor Donovan, who is now with Sacramento Republic, Cal Adams, who is now with Louisville City, Cal Murphy, who had just recently retired, but he was arguably one of the best strikers in the USL championship level with uh, Miami FC, with... Uh, uh, Memphis 901. You guys had him for a while, if I'm not mistaken. They didn't play him, but yeah. He, yeah. It was one of the great mysteries of San Antonio. But <laughs> yeah. But like Chewy Enrique is your buddy uh, yes. for that here. There's, you can go through the history of the players, and they're, and to me, that's what the disappointing factor is. And like, you know, I know we, you know, as a San Antonio fan, we joke about the empty seats, but that first year, 2017, you know, they reported an attendance of over 7,000. The following year, it dropped down to 46. In 2019, it dropped down to 38. And to be honest with you, it never recovered mm -hmm. uh, from there. But to me, that's my biggest frustration. Uh, well, there's two, two sides of it here. From the dynamo aspect, I understand, you know, you're, you're trying to do like the next pro right now where, hey, you got a two or three window and then they age out. I understand that. But this wasn't what was explained or, you know, promised or what was discussed publicly to the fans of RGV. And to be honest, to, you know, USL in general. So you had the, the to me, the, the, the rotation factor of the players. To me, I'm going to turn this around on, on the other side to uh, Camp 2 in the business side. And this goes for their entire history, in, including the end. If you compare the coverage of the G League, uh, you know, what is, what is the, their basketball team called? The Vipers. Uh, the Vipers. If you compare the coverage that that... That the, that the social media puts out, because it's the same social media, does for the Vipers compared to what they did for the Toros. Your own ownership, in my opinion, had them second rate. Not even equal, but second rate. Correct. And I think that was, you know, you know yeah, you had the, the Viper dancers out there. Game day was awesome. Even prior to last year, I think, you know, they did a great job game day. But it was getting people to come in, getting people, um, and we won't get into the details of it, but I know just in, in discussion with you in the past, getting people to sign up for season tickets and making it worth it. Because, yeah. you know, there was a lot of times, especially early on, people would sign up for it saying, hey, it's a great value, only to see the, the walk-in crowd get a greater value from buying tickets through their you know, along those lines. And to me, that was a huge disservice um, to, you know, on the business side of the Dynamo, or probably not of the Dynamo, but of, of RGD. So, so, like, for example, like, my parents in 2017, uh, they bought season tickets for the Toros. And you know how diehard my dad uh, was <laughs> for still the Toros. He's an awesome he's dude, still, by the way. Yeah. The problem was that there was really nothing extra to it. Because one of the things I remember, one of the things they told me, oh, for season ticket members, parking is going to be free. So, so they were thinking of charging parking, uh, you know, uh, on a game by game, on a game by game basis. In the end, they decided, okay, free parking for everybody. So there's one, uh, one is the uh, plus that disappeared. They were talking about, you know, 
season ticket member only events, which very, very few of, if any. I don't recall exactly. They had a but couple. I think they had a couple. Early. They had a couple, but yeah. So at the end of the day, you know, my parents decided not to renew because they didn't really see the value of getting complete season tickets, considering my dad, <clears throat> excuse me, my dad is off for two weeks at a time and he couldn't really sell those tickets, you know, to somebody else. It's like, so it's like they saw that, you know what, you know, it's better. It's a better value for us to just buy, you know, tickets on a game by game basis. And there was a lot of fans all these years that would tell me the same thing. I don't see value in buying, in buying season tickets, you know? Uh, and and well, so it's the, the promotions that came with it though, it was the discounted tickets, but it was the promotions, the little gifts, the little, the little incentives that they would get people to do, to be able to do it. And it's something, you know, we've talked about San Antonio C. We talked about Austin bold, El Paso, even, you know, you know as far as for Copa Teos teams, mm-hmm. but that was the big thing for there. But, you know, as far as, it, it was just frustrating listening to you because, um, you know, for the first couple of years, it was just you. Um, and then you brought Jacob on and it was just, and, and, you know, going back when it was just you by yourself on down the valley and then on the pill with you and, and the guys from the pill is the value that RGV did not provide to its season ticket members. It did, it didn't value them. Um, I want to ask you this question because I do want to move on uh, to kind of the independence and then we'll kind of get into the records and we'll kind of go, you know, best and worst of mm-hmm. moving. So I think for the fans, going independence was always the right answer. But okay. for you think if Cantu had to do it over, you think he would have he would have gone independent or you think he would have stayed and possibly. And you know hindsight's twenty twenty. I could see him moving, you know, moving, you know, if if he had the options, staying with the Dynamo, knowing that within a couple of years, you know, you could have went to MLS Next Pro with North Texas, still been under there along those lines here. I think it would have hurt the fan base, but I think the expenses being lower and from my understanding in MLS Next Pro, um, it is a quote unquote D3 league, which was the league that originally uh, RGV and San Antonio FC went into. It was originally a D3 league, uh, got promoted to D2 because that's how we do things here in the United mm-hmm. States. The leagues get promoted uh, for that here. So, your thoughts on was independence the right thing overall for RGV? I want to start by saying that I have gotten multiple comments from people within the organization after the folding of RGV that in fact, like for Cantu, the best scenario was at the beginning where where Alonso only had to cover the business expenses of marketing, uh, the, the stadium, and not you know, player or coach's salaries, you know, technical staff or anything like that. Um, so in answering that question, yeah, like for Cantu, if he would have started over again, he wouldn't, he would not listen to the squeaky wheel and, uh, would have <laughs> probably, you know, continued with, uh, some sort of a 
uh, affiliation with another MLS team or maybe even a Liga MX team. You know, we we don't really know because uh, when announced when the announcement of independence was uh, was uh, announced, it, there was one year left of the relationship between Houston Dynamo and RGV. So that that relationship was going was going to end. From that point on, it wasn't. We weren't going to be sure. Had independence not been announced uh, early, we weren't sure exactly what was going to be the the future. It would Alonso be forced to um, go independent? Would he try and find another team to um, to have an affiliation with? Maybe Dallas, maybe Austin FC. Continue with the Houston Dynamo. Although the relationship between the Dynamo and the Toros had gotten a bit That's soured. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I do. But you feel wonder like- if. It- if if they wouldn't have had the pressure to go independent, if it would have soured. Well, Cause... to be fair, though, there was a lot of pushback, not just from the Houston Dynamo, but I think also within a lot of Dynamo fans and media, including Glenn, uh, that they were pushing for what they have right now, Houston Dynamo FC 2 in the Houston area and not have not have them travel all the way to the Rio Grande Valley uh to to get to get some minutes so i think with mls pro coming in their their priority for an affiliate affiliation had diminished to almost zero so they saw no need to keep to to keep uh, uh rgb with, within their their fold because they were already going to do houston dynamo 2 uh in in south houston uh you know at houston sports park so um honestly like i said from a business aspect it was very very good for alonso to have that hybrid affiliation the problem is is that the people here in the rio grande and that was one of the biggest that's one of the biggest concerns that the toros have always had was that the people in the rio grande valley they want not only do they want competitive teams but they want you know like if division one the higher the division the better right they're for the most part, they don't really believe in support local no matter what. Uh, unlike here in the United in the rest of the United States, where it tends to be a lot more of like, I'm gonna support my local team even if it's D3 or you know, or amateur, you know. Uh, I'm gonna support them because they they they, they represent my, my region, my town, or anything like that. There were the problem was is that because of the uh, Houston Dynamo affiliation, there really was no connection with the people of the Rio Grande Valley because the, the, the team itself only uh, basically the, their identity was not very RGV-esque. It was obviously you could tell like even the crest was a kind of like a, it followed the same design language as the old Houston Dynamo logo, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the players, obviously there are a lot of people were complaining, including other media members who, who had a feud with me. Um, would always say like, oh, this team needs to be built solely with uh, players from the Rio Grande Valley. That's why the, the stadium is always so empty, which I totally, completely disagree, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but they had a, that I, they had an identity problem, and I really do feel had the Alonso Cantu drop down to D3 or movement to MLS Next Pro, you would have had even more of an issue with people not going. Because it's like, oh, we just demoted ourselves to D3. You know, we've got a bunch of uh, young kids. And it's like, we're not going to be competitive. We're not fighting for, you know, a uh, professional championship. 
why should I, why should I go? I already have my America. I already have my Tigres. Uh, I already have my Rayados, you name it. And, and it's like, I feel like even the attendance would have suffered even more. And I think at the end of the day, like it still would have led to, to the same destination, which was, uh, you know, the, the team uh, folding, at least in my, in my opinion. So to me, uh, RGV gets its independence. Um, a lot of celebrations. Um, I think they did an excellent thing at the start by bringing in Ron Patel uh, to yeah. kind of run things. Uh, he was hired February twenty, uh, February of 2020. Unfortunately, uh, it was a COVID year, uh, his yeah. first year. And I know, and I know that Ron Patel. And the reason I know this is because he himself, you know, uh, came to me. Invited me over to Bird Ogden Arena and had a one one on one conversation with me. Asked me about you know independence, uh, my thoughts of independence. And there I did tell him, you know, I wasn't like, oh yes, independence, do it. And I was like, okay, I like independence. I was. This is, but and I was like, I like independence. But these are just like I told my guys uh, and down in the valley when I when I, every time I talked about we need independence, I always tell them take into consideration that. If independence were to happen, now Alonso Cantu is going to have all these additional expenses, almost like overnight. And I told the same thing to Ron Patel. I want independence. I feel like the fans would would uh, would uh, love that idea. But there's the added expense that I think Alonso Cantu, if he does go with it, is going to have to figure out how to deal with it and stuff like that. So he did. So it was something that they, he asked, you know, the uh, loyal, the more loyal fans uh, of RGVFC, kind of, kind of get some feedback on that. I think he uh, asked about the crest as well and the identity, like I mentioned to you. Um, and in the end, you know, they decided, okay, uh, we're gonna fight for, you know, for independence uh, for the for the Toros. And I remember that day because it was um, it was actually my dad's birthday, December twenty third, when they made it public. I was actually on my way to San Antonio uh, from Houston when he calls me. Ron Fatel calls me. He's like, "Hey, in a couple of minutes, you're gonna have an announcement that you're gonna love." And yeah, a couple like five minutes later, the announcement comes up of independence. I'm like, "Oh my god, yes! Like finally!" And you know, like like you mentioned, uh, they were you were coming off of a uh, of a terrible COVID season, um, where where I believe we ended up like second to the last in our group or something. Thirteenth, like yeah. yeah, you only had two wins, two wins, three draws, and nine losses. And yeah, it, it was it, it was it, it was probably to me that or the second year. Where you guys went nine, eight, fifteen, and we'll kind of get this a little bit later. Um, but to me, so the first year of COVID, I you know I know in just my brief discussions with you and 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 with Mr. Patel, um, there were a lot of ideas for that COVID year that got shelved. Um, in 2021, post well semi post COVID, the final did get uh, open cup, and there was still you know COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. But you could see the fruit, you know, where RGV finished fourth, um, went to the conference semifinals, beat Phoenix, uh, lost to San Antonio in, in the semis. Uh, 2022, um, another successful, you know, you know Rumtel leaves midseason or early season, I guess. Yeah. Uh, right after the, the season start, you know, due to 
a family issues, wanted to get back to New Mexico, and, and he's done a great job. And he was recently promoted with New Mexico United, so congratulations, congratulations. Uh, to Ron through there. But you could see the independence, you know, and part of I think what hurt RGV is the timing of it. I would have loved to have seen what would have happened in 2020 if it wasn't a COVID year, um, and and if that would have made a difference or not. Yeah. So uh, so from fans. what I had heard, from what I had heard uh, regarding 2020, is that they were building this roster with the idea that the Houston Dynamo were it were going to be loaning a lot of their players from the academy, from French first team players, and bolster that USL roster with those on a game by game loan basis. Right? COVID comes along. MLS says we cannot, we will not allow teams to loan players to USL affiliates, especially if they have to travel. So. Basically, the the Toros had built or the Houston Dynamo had built the Toros a roster with yeah a lot a lot of I Skeletons. I don't want to say it, it was roster fillers a lot oh. Oh, they they had they had to they had to play the whole season with roster fillers you know so and then you had you know at the end where there was an outbreak uh, apparently within within the league. You know, even within the Toros, there were supposedly some some uh, some cases. You know, why that is why I think they canceled maybe like two games, if I'm not mistaken, in, in that year at the very end, um, because because of that. And and so so then you know you have 2021 coming in. You build a really really good roster. You bring in Tyler Derrick. You bring in Juan David Cabezas. You bring in Eric Pimentel. Uh, you you bring in Vicente Sanchez. You take him out of retirement. You bring him in, you know, a legend with Toluca in the Liga, in Liga MX. And you were like, how did we do this? And it's like, I can't, like, it was a dream come true for a lot of people. Like, how we were able to get Vicente Sanchez, how we were able to get Rodrigo Lopez, a tried and true USL championship veteran from Sacramento Republic. And it's like, I think we're building something good here. Because it was like, one of the things that I have argued is like, it's harder to bring in these USL veteran players to the Rio Grande Valley because it's not a big city, right? No. You know, so so the fact that they were to bring in Rodrigo, uh, Juan David Cabezas, you know, uh, Tyler Derrick, it was like, man, like we've got some, we've got something good here. It was reflected with in, in the standings. We made it, you know, deeper in the playoffs than in 2016. You know, the problem was is that as the years went by. The roster started getting thinner, thinner and thinner and thinner, to the point that we get to this past season, and yes, you kept twelve players from that last year's roster to this uh, to twenty twenty three, but everybody else were players from third, fourth division. You know, to thankfully players like uh, Ricky Reese, Jonathan Ricketts were able to kind of like prove that they were at the USL championship level. Juan Galindres, unfortunately with visa issues was had to come in late into the season, but that was a player that I was really eager to see how he would reconnect with Ricky and with Jonathan Ricketts. Um, you have Wilmer Cabrera Jr. Having a stellar year, um, shutting me up. And then all of a sudden, Oh, he's moving to, uh, he's moving to the fifth division in Germany. And we're like, we're like, what the hell? 
I remember Shadow was like, uh, was like, like how do he, how is he going from second division in the in the uh, in the United States to fifth division? He said it was like kind of semi pro level uh, in Germany. But I uh, told you that was a warning shot. I told you that was a sign. You did him and he, you and Shadow. You and Shadow both insinuated that 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 was kind of sketchy, and that that probably meant that maybe Wilmer was uh, planning to to leave. I do remember that. Just because you don't go, because RGV was still in the hunt. From my understanding, they didn't really get a whole lot from him, although it wasn't disclosed. But just it wasn't a move up. Well, they did it because it was the loan. He was loaned from Real Cartagena. So So, Real Cartagena recalls Wilmer Cabrera Jr. And then they loan him to the fifth division in Germany. It doesn't make sense. It did did not make make sense outside of, to me, you know, and and I'll say this, I don't know Wilmer and, um, you know, I'm a San Antonio guy and him and Coach Marcina, you know, aren't exchanging Christmas cards anytime soon. to me, I think it was. To me, it was a sign that he saw what was coming, and he's like, "Look, you need to get out of here. You know, go go to Europe, get 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 some time over there." And I'm not sure where he's playing at this point, but he's still over there in in, in Germany. So, but, so before you, you you get to that, there because you mentioned right now that that Wilmer kind of maybe he felt like something was in the water. I can assure you that yes. Um, that oh, yeah, I know he did. apparently, not- apparently, they apparently the Toros were making uh his his life uh like his life terrible, yeah, in, in, in that season. Like, like they were wanting for him to. So, here's the here's the thing, guys when Wilmer was hired, he was asking for a lot of money, like a lot of money in salary. So, the only way that they could justify his salary was to give him both the head coach and the sporting director positions in order to justify the salary that Warmer was asking for. So when you've got this situation where Alonso Cato is losing money, losing money, losing money, and your biggest expense is Warmer's, uh, or one of your biggest expenses is Warmer's salary, they were going to try to get him to, to, I don't know, just quit or something like that. That's what I had heard, you know? Uh, I don't know how, I don't know exactly how true that is, but it just makes uh, it just makes a lot of sense, you know, going into what you're saying that maybe there was something like, you know what, I'm tired, you know, uh, I'm I, I'm gonna be out of here, Wilmer, you know, uh, son, just try to find someplace else before you end up, you know, with nothing in your hands, kind of kind of thing. Um, and so then all of a sudden, so leading at the end of those seasons, it was like, man. One of the things that worried me, and I know Mike from the Stampede had mentioned, and the guys from the Stampede mentioned a lot, and other uh, audience members from down in the Valley, and they've never announced anything about 2024 season tickets. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody said anything about renewals. Nobody has said anything about, you know, uh, oh, we'll see you in 2024 kind of thing. It was, what the hell is going on kind of thing. So, I'm going to go... And I know I told you this, and, and if you follow me either on here, and I think I've said it probably on Down in the Valley, the last San Antonio RGV match was on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. There wasn't that many of us that went down there. Let, let, you know, let's be honest, maybe 20, 25, 
San Antonio fans, maybe 30-ish, traveled yeah. down. Outside of family, outside of the stampede, I don't know if there were that many people from RGV there. No. And I, I, I remember talking to, you know, the, the, the guys, you know, from the stampede and, and they're great guys and, and I feel really bad for them. But I was there the last time that San Antonio played Austin Bold, even, you know, after it was already announced, you know, that, hey, the Bold weren't coming back and San Antonio traveled up for, you know, for a late season match. And it was just that eerie feeling of, just it was a dead environment um the workers were doing you know the the game day experience just didn't have that buzz it's like they were just going through the motions it was and you i think it affected the the game because i think it was a zero zero draw zero zero Zero, zero, and and both teams had had talked a lot like during the week about you know oh we don't like i know jonathan ricketts you know um which who i still you know stand by what he was talking about <laughs> you know where he said like oh we win copa Texas, oh, whatever kind of kind of thing our focus is to make it into the playoffs kind of and then and then uh san antonio got salty and then and they started you know i think alan morcina was asked and he's like right. no we care a lot about copa Texas, you know uh so like trying to trying to look good in uh, in front of copa Texas and everything all to end into a pretty bland zero zero draw but there was just no I don't remember if you were there or not, because uh, I know you were working quite a bit at that time and, and long hours. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just, you, you could just tell something was off. Um, it just did not feel through here. And this is where I'm going to transition to RGV finally being forced to say that they weren't coming back because mm-hmm. we'd heard rumors. Um, you know, the stamp guys from the stampede that had put out stuff saying, Hey, we're not coming back. Players aren't being advised of the situation. You know, Wilmer, um, and in shadows, the one that kind of shadow and Ray was the ones that kind of did this with, you know, Wilmer's last press conference was kind of like, Hey, I'm out of here. See ya but not yeah. really saying officially that he was out. Yeah, so so I remember because, uh, hey, what's up, Costless? He says, in for, in for Uzi, we trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, treat him well, guys. I know he he's uh, he's now in the San Antonio FC boat, so uh, <laughs> treat Costless well. Um, but where I was going at, I remember because it was that last game, uh, like I mentioned before, I was kind of very fed up with how the season that, you know, that same day, uh, pigskin was happening uh in 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 far and so i decided i'm not gonna go to the game um you know to, for the same thing i'm just gonna go have fun and uh you know go and watch uh, some high school marching band because i you know i former uh marching band member in high school you know and me and my sister we both we both love you know marching bands so it was like we had never gone in the last couple of years since we graduated i felt like this is the time so we went to p and I remember Ray calls me and told me that, like, hey, like, Wilmer pretty much said his goodbyes without without saying his goodbyes. I told him, well, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, like, he started, you know, thanking, you know, the media 
for for everything and, and, and this and that. Uh, like you said, it almost looked like he was saying goodbye. Like, and and I was like, oh snap! Like, are you kidding me? Like, no, I'm being I'm being a hundred percent serious. You know, uh, there were rumors. I know there was somebody in the next couple of uh, of weeks that would try to hijack the down in the valley uh, YouTube chat. You know, saying that oh, you, you know, Wilmer had mentioned to his uh, players that that he wasn't coming back. You know, he said, apparently he talked to this guy, talked to two players uh, from, from the Toros that told him, yeah, Wilmer pretty much said, yeah, he, uh, uh, that he wasn't going to be uh, coming back. Cause this is the PA says, see you next year at the end of the Loudon United game. So like, even, so like nobody knew that was, that was, that was the thing about like the team itself. Wilmer said he wasn't, he probably uh, arguably told the players he wasn't going to be coming back, but the, there was no mention from you know the organization about the future of the uh, of the organization ever, you know. But I think Cantu knew, and and like so I don't know the guy, and this is why I say how how it how how it ended is the ugly part of RGV. This mm -hmm. is what they put out: a, a conclusive decision was reached to cease all operations after eight years of professional soccer competition and. United Soccer League, naturally, decision of this caliber carefully considered and are extremely difficult to make as they affect multiple individuals, both internally and externally, stated Golden Grape Entertainment President Hondo Candelaria. Uh, to the fans, we are eternally grateful for your support each and every step of the way. Throughout, <laughs> throughout the seasons, our staff and players Rightfully worked tirelessly to provide quality soccer entertainment service while collecting countless memories in the process. We sincerely thank you. And for one final time, go Toros. Okay. So why then, if you care so much about the fans, why did you ghost us from the end of the season to December 18th when you were forced to make this announcement because the league needed to make the uh, announcement of the uh, uh, of the schedule, why did you wait until the exact same time that schedule was announced to just put on social media? Oh yeah, we're we're ceasing operations. So you know what? Screw you all. Uh, like you sound like, screw you guys. I'm out of here. <laughs> like really? Like is that caring for the fans? Like don't give me don't give me this uh, word salad of saying. Oh, we cared about you. That's why we took this this hard decision. It was hard for us. I know it's hard for y'all. B.S. You never cared about the fans and how you handled this situation. I'm sorry if I'm going to uh, offend a lot uh, a lot of people that worked in this. I don't care. I've gotten on the wrong side of uh, FO members for in the past for trying to just give you know a, an opinion of saying this isn't being done right. And that was the worst part, Harry. That was the worst part about this front office. They were too prideful to accept when somebody external said that they were doing something wrong in favor of the fans. They never accepted it. I can tell you minimum two times where I have said something in the podcast. Like, let's say, for example, 2021 or 2022, when they made, when they, revealed the seat the 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 jerseys they revealed it in front of sponsors 
not right. fans, not, not season ticket members. I say on the podcast, that is not right. You know, uh, Travis Watkins, I know you're the new C uh, chief uh, financial officer, or, uh, yeah, CFO, but this isn't right. You know, your fan, your fan base is dwindling, attendance is dwindling. And, and instead of taking, you know, uh, steps to attract the fans, to attract, you know, season uh, potential season ticket buyers, you cater to the big money. And at the end of the day, what's going to bring in, you know, other sponsors? How many fans are at the stadium? Well, guess what? I found out he got really, really mad and pretty much said, who the hell does this guy think he is to tell me what <laughs> to tell me what is right and what is wrong? And that had happened multiple times. And you know what? I don't care if I'm if I'm saying this. The team isn't the team isn't uh, doesn't exist anymore. You know, and all of these mistakes led up to this. And now you want to say, oh, we cared about uh, about you, the fans. No, get get out of here. You never cared about the fans in in this situation. You kept us dry. You kept us. Uh, uh, you kept us uh, uh, pretty much ghosted. Never knew what was going to happen. You kept the players ghosted as well. That's that's the issue to me is the the treatment of the players is because the end of the season ended November thirtieth, if memory serves me correct. Correct. If you knew you knew at that time if you were coming back or not coming back, and, and I'm sorry you can't tell me you didn't know. And the reason why I I know that number one you know, moving the coach's son. Number two, there was zero talk of, you know, you mentioned this early season tickets of 2024, which, you know, RGV historically is not the greatest on, on announcing, you know, the next year stuff, but for season tickets, they always announced, Hey, at the end of the year, Hey, get ready for the net following year. There, you know, for that here. This was the first year that, that in my memory, that they didn't do it. But to me, it's the players, how how they treated the players, and the staff. From my understanding, the staff Correct. that worked for them. More importantly, is is the other thing. And 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 Matt, fan engagement is the most important thing. And you know, I know I've talked to Edson. We've talked to you, San Antonio, Austin Bold. Uh, El Paso is obviously uh, going going through some things with it as well. Um, fan engagement in the USL level is something that our team our teams need to do better. But to me, it goes to the people that that worked for the organization that all of a sudden found out, hey, I'm without a job. And number two, the players, because that puts the players behind the eight ball of trying to find a better better position for 2024. I haven't checked to see how, you know, how that's, you know, how that went through. I think uh, yeah, well, the, USLPA, the USLPA didn't make an announcement about it. Um, now the problem is, is a lot of these players like for that still have not found a team. They're probably going to have to wait until later to be able to sign with a team. Apparently it's a, for a lot of them, it's already too late to sign, to, to sign with a team. So because you didn't have the guts to be upfront with your players and say, we're not coming back next season in a timely manner. You know what? Okay. We're not coming back. Cause this is the problem. And I know that Kaylor Hodges from the USL show made a really good point about it in his rant uh, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, you were, you, you saw, I know you saw that, that, that episode, Harry, he said, these players, as long as they're under contract, they cannot go out there 
and, and talk with other teams until the organization officially says we're folding, you're still under contract and you cannot be talking with anybody else. So from November 30th, you spent a month and a half after players become free agents to announce your folding. That is a dickhead move. I'm sorry for the, for, for the, for the, uh, you know, but that was a dickheaded move by the organization to screw these players out of continuing their career at another place. Never gave them. I was, I told Jonathan Ricketts, man, I'm glad that Sacramento got you because now you were in, in a serious organization that is going to treat you fairly and is going to treat you with respect. Unlike RGV. Yeah. It just, to me, how, it, you know, how RGV fold, uh, folded um, is probably one of the worst ways you you could do it. It's it's they were cowards. Simple as that. Yeah, it's, it's it's there's no other way to sugarcoat it. Is they they had I've been around the game long enough. Um, here in San Antonio, we saw the Scorpions fold, and then SAFC came, you know, and that was kind of a fold buyout merger, the whole type of thing. But you kind of knew Gordon Hartman after he won the title in 2014. He cashed out to San Antonio FC in 2015. Sucked because, you know, they were real bad. They went low budget. And then San Antonio FC came on. There's a right way to fold a team. Reno, um, you know, announced it early. Uh, San Diego. San Diego announced it way early. And Austin you know, Bowl. Yeah, and you know, and you know what, Harry? When San Diego folded, and I mentioned it on down in the valley as well, their president or their CEO, CEO, the owner went, the owner went on camera and explained the situation to the fans and said, you know what? Despite this, we are gonna fold, but we're gonna make this this uh, season the best. Uh, the best that we can possible to go out with a bang. Alonso Cantu, nor his daughters, or anybody for that matter, not even Hondo, anybody in front office, nobody showed their face to the fans, explained the situation at a timely manner, instead of, oh, well, let's hope that everything kind of goes under the bus, make, that the media never talks about this, and we just kind of like uh, disappear still without a trace. Though, right? They, they no, put out the announcement, no. but they because they put out the announcement and they're like, we will not be taking any additional questions by the media. And and, and we know that UTRGV is going to be putting a football team uh, in, in the stadium uh, for their hair, which you know there's you know, which apparently has already been sold to the city of Edinburgh. Yeah. So to me, the reason why this was this was a bad look is San Diego. You had MLS coming. Could they have played this year? Yes, but. You know, the, the ownership gave a valid reason of, hey, the cost of a stadium. We all understand that. You know, if RGV would have came and said, hey, we're going to take take a year off. We're going to look at maybe looking, going, dropping down like North Carolina, Richmond, you know, going to D3, whether, you know, because MLS Next Pro has independent teams now. You know, you've got uh, Chattanooga FC. You're going to have Jacksonville Armada. You know, you're going to have some independent teams that are lower budget, lower risk. If you wanted to stay in the USL family, you could have went to USL League One with what Texoma um, coming in. There, there were options or sell the rights to the team. They didn't even open up that opportunity. Now, 
you can question whether you can really sell the rights because allegedly, or, or yeah, allegedly the bold ownership sold it to, uh, was it? Um, Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Um, but that seemed to have just gone up in thin air as well. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to me, how they did it, it's just it was an ugly way to end the franchise that in my opinion has potential has potential to, to be there um they've shown that you know that they'll support the team when they have a quality team they come out and support it the fan base is passionate you know like I said as a san antonio fc fan you know you and i've gone back and forth you know stampede you know i still m- 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 uh, remember seeing uh the Stampede and, and uh, Bear County Casual slash Mission City slash FTC, um, you know, you know, kind of all, you know, going back and forth, you know, in the first tailgate of the first game there at the UTRGV uh, football, uh, soccer stadium, it, you know, it was a great time. It was, you know, it was awesome. And, you know, each side had fan <coughs> fans that <coughs> didn't make it the entire game. Um, cause, uh, they got removed, uh, for certain aspects. And <laughs> so, but that was, that was the fun part of the rivalry. And for me, it's a shame. Um, I know we're kind of, you know, putting RGV to bed. Could you see another team coming into, uh, the Rio Grande Valley, um, at, at this point here, you know, they won't own HEB park, but I think you could still rent it out, uh, to, to a team. Or do you think that I mean, that technically that there is, is gone? I mean, technically there is uh there is a team in Brownsville, FC Brownsville. Mm-hmm. Uh are they a serious organization? Man, uh I've heard from Ray, it's kind of wishy-washy. I think yeah. they've gone through so many identity changes. Uh apparently this last uh this last identity change that they did before they were returned to being the explorers. Uh, they kind of copied uh, Barcelona's uh, uh, crest, and they were forced to change it. Yeah, I, I want to. There's no, there's no proof, but I'm thinking that maybe like Barcelona got involved and was like, "Hey, you're gonna have to change your crest." I don't know what exactly what happened, but uh, in comparison, I mean, it's like Brownsville is so far out there in the Rio Grande Valley. It's like an hour and a half away from, from McAllen. Um, whereas Edinburgh, yeah, I'm not very about central. Brownsville, yeah. but, uh, but as far as here in, cent- in the central Rio Grande Valley, man, I don't think so. I think, I really do think that if Alonso couldn't do it, like I said, richest man in the RGV, who else is going to have the funds to be able to create a competitive team on a long-term basis for the Rio Grande Valley. I don't see anybody. Unless you win the lottery. <laughs> yeah, a lot of us have been saying that uh, if we win the Powerball, uh, uh, you know, but. I've always wondered, and it's something that we've talked about here, is because um, what what the Liga MX teams close to you guys? Tigres and Rayados. Is if they wanted to get involved and put like a kind of a hybrid type team, but obviously it wouldn't be hybrid like the Dynamo, that that would be an interesting way to be able to, number one, bring fans of Liga MX 
into you know into it because it, you know they could play under you know a similar you know kind of like Chivas USA USA at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, at a D two D three level, I think that's a lot easier to be able to do. And you could you know let's be honest, uh, the the reserve teams in Liga MX have some talented players that could play at this level. Um, or to me, if Corpus does make the move up, you know, at a, at a let's say a USL D three level, um, I think you, to me that would be a way that I think it could happen. Uh, but uh, so I, I, there was a little bit of hope. I'm not gonna lie for myself when Tigres had their preseason here at HEB Park. Um, there was pictures where you would have Alonso Cantu like speaking with the Tigres coach uh, with the president of Club Tigres, who is uh, Mauricio Denner. Um, and my hope was like, man, like I really do hope like there is some sort of, I mean, cause I think Alonso still owns the USL rights of the team, you know? And, them, and, yeah. and honestly, and honestly, like Tigres is really looking to expand their, their market reach to the United States. They've made, since starting last season, they've made a huge push to attract the Tigres Tejano, so like the, the Tigres fans here in Texas. I know they do have some sort of, you know, marketing alliance with the Houston Texans, even though it's football, you know, but they're trying to enter the, the Texas market because there's so many people from Monterrey here in Texas, and there's a lot of young players. There's a lot of talent here in Texas that they're trying to tap and expand the, their their reach not just in Nuevo Leon and northern Mexico but also within within the United States to tackle on teams like Pumas or Pumas America Chivas uh, you you name it and I really think that one like me and my friend were talking about that is like I think it just makes so much sense that with the Rio Grande Valley with how technically how close it is between Monterrey and, and the Rio Grande Valley, it just makes perfect sense that if you want to expand into Texas, your gateway is the Rio Grande Valley. There's so many people from Monterrey living here. There's so many Tigres fans living here in the Rio Grande Valley. You bring some of these players, you bring the, every, like every year you play a scrimmage with the, the Tigres first team, you bring in Guignac, you bring in Nahuel, you know, to, you know, to one preseason game here you're going to have a lot of fans that are going to want to support this team, this, th- this team. And if you brand it correctly and you have it, despite it being Tigres brand or Tigres identity, but have it like some sort of root or some sort of connection with the community of the Rio Grande Valley, I'm sure it could be a huge success with the backing from Semex, a multi, um, you know, an international uh, company like, like they're like one of the top cement companies, uh, makers in the world right and uh, you know with that kind of financial backing you can really you, you can really build a competitive uh team here you can have a more serious project uh but is the question is you know is Cantu willing to give it up is even theaters it was that even in their plants or anything like that so the potential is there but i really i just don't i just don't see it happening right. uh if you want me to be honest but I will kind of circle back to something that you said earlier. You said, and, and I asked you this kind of, you know, for the Dynamo Cantu relationship. You mentioned that he, he, I think he likes the business side, the marketing side, and obviously there's things that you know he needs to improve on that. But if you had somebody, you know, that came in on the technical side and kind of ran that side, um, covered the expenses, which you know obviously Tigris or you know a partnership could do. 
that might be a win-win. And let's be honest, to me, that would be a to me that would be something that I think would excel. And I think you could see that expand out. Just you know, I know you follow MLS. I do think that the MLS uh, Liga MX uh, affiliations, you know, you know, you're starting to see lines kind of get blurred a little bit more. Rayados just you, recently announced a, uh, an alliance with North Carolina FC in both the men and the women's. So I think to me, it's something that if somebody wanted to take the take the chance on, I personally think you know RGV is a is is a good market, and if you if it was marketed right, as we saw they had you know seven thousand fans, I think it was closer to five, but you know, you know mm-hmm. we'll argue with numbers, but still five thousand fans at, at a game. You know, I I think it's doable, and and like I said, I think it, I think I don't think we saw RGV ever at its at its full potential. Um, I think it was always a franchise that was ran with one arm tied behind its back, and, and I hate to say that, but I think both under the Dynamo, I don't think you got the full you know full full way to do it. And I think the dynamo learned some lessons and I think dino dose is seeing the benefits of that. And then I think, you know, on the independent side, you know, I think can't, you know, uh, ownership, you know, got into, Hey, this is a little bit more. And and to be fair to them, the cost of running a USL championship team now is a lot more than what it was in 2016. Cause the talent has, you know, has grown quite a bit in that time frame. But And of course now you also have the PA, the USL PA. USLPA. So, mm-hmm. so, but Edson, uh, thank you for coming on. Um, like I said here, and this is the first show of Section 114 Sports. Um, it's going to be something that we'll uh, probably won't do regularly. I won't say it'll be weekly, maybe once a month, something along those lines, where um, if there's an interesting story out there, whether it's soccer or non-soccer, uh, we might chop on it. I might see if I can get my friend from Spurs and Salsa to kind of talk about Spurs and Wimby and how that is going, <laughs> of course, since that's uh, been a discussion here in San Antonio. But Edson, always a pleasure. Uh, like I said, I try to follow you on your iRacing um, adventures now since uh, you know, down the valley. Um, I think you'll be back, whether it's a Houston Dynamo or Houston Dash, because I know you also follow the Dash quite well. And let's be honest, the Dash could use some more coverage, uh, especially podcast-wise. Um, out there compared to the because I think what the Dynamo's got what five or six podcasts now, yeah, minimum, so, yeah, more here. Or I think a couple of them do uh, do a, a dab into the dab into there. And then um, I know MLS Matt, uh, you know, is a Dynamo fan, so you know you may be able to uh, see him at a Dynamo home match since he has season tickets. Mm-hmm. But Thank you for coming on, Alex. I hear Edson. Any final words that you have uh, for you know the fans of down in the valley or RGV fans like Costless and and Shadow and and all the Stampede before we let you get out of here? Honestly, guys, I mean, I want to thank you all for seven, eight years of supporting down in the valley. Uh, the podcast couldn't have couldn't have grown to uh, as much as it did without all of your support, Harry. Your support as well from. San Antonio aspect. I know in the early stages of down in the valley. I mean, uh, the, it was fun going back and forth. It was, it was, it was, it was fun. But I was, you know, it's like I told my dad. Like I was able to make friends with with some San Antonio fans. It's like that. Like I earned their respect. I earned, you know, 
their, you know, their, uh, yeah, like they, sometimes you would see them like commenting or even sharing some of my, some of the stuff regarding, re regarding RGV. And that's really not, not very easy to do, especially with how much of a rivalry it, it, it is, it was between RGV and, and San Antonio. Uh, and I want to thank, uh, you know, the San Antonio fan base uh, for that, you know, because despite the fact that we were fierce enemies, you know, on the pitch, you know, the fact that y'all cared for the most part about, you know, how RGV the organization was treating the fans, you know, it, I'm really, really, really grateful. I want to thank you all for everything. Unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, you know, one chapter closes and a cha another chapter opens, but I want to wish you all the best of luck in this uh, upcoming 2024 USL championship season. And like I said, treat costless Titan well. Uh, and uh, if we I'm don't, not... if we don't win, he gets voted off, dude. I'm just throwing it out, costless. If you bring that RGV stuff to us, no, no, you need to be careful. No, man. you need to be careful if Shadow wants to come into the. Well, fold. no, no, no. I already, I already banned Shadow. <laughs> yes, I was like, no, Shadow. You know, you were with Oklahoma City. RGV, go to Tulsa, you know, go to Tulsa or wherever <laughs> you ended up with. Yeah, but um, um, I wish, I, I know what I'm going to say is probably going to get a lot of RGV fans kind of mad, but I wish you all the best in the 2024 I season. Um, I think I'm just going to be a free agent in the USL Championship for for the time being. You know, I, I, I told them, I, I said originally, uh, after what happened, I said, oh, I'm not like if the RGB, the organization didn't care, why should I care? You know, if, if I, you know, go to another and support another team. But uh, it, it's hard to do that after being with, the, you know, supporter of the Toros for so long, you know, just the just kind of like the body still hasn't uh, cooled down in and, and I've changed my affiliation to another team. It's kind of kind of seems off, you know, but um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, but I'm looking forward to the coverage that, that you, Harry, are going to bring to San Antonio this coming season. We will try. Um, but thank you, Edson. Uh, like I said here, thank you for everybody turned in on the uh, initial uh, Section 114 sports. Uh, like I said here, uh, I thought it was a good show. Um, the bad would be me and the ugly would have been how RGV folded. So, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hope everybody has a wonderful day. Um I believe Thursday is going to be the next show uh, for the SA, uh, SA Soccer Roundtable with the high school. Um, and the Crocketeers have their annual meeting on the 18th, which is Sunday, which is when we normally do do the SAFC fan cast. We may try to do it earlier, but it's also Daytona 500, although I might be the only one that's into the Daytona 500. But uh, to be determined on the fan cast, but on Thursday, uh, Rafa and I will be back to go over uh, his power rankings when it comes to that. But uh, thank you, Edson. Thank you for everybody tuning in. Thank you, Matt uh, Costless, uh, for making comments. And like I said here, please like and subscribe and hope everybody has a wonderful